The year is 2000. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Salat. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club going through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journeyman, and today I am joined by Dave Busing. He is a floating leather daddy in the sky, threatening us all. Uh, I'm also joined by Charlotte Fierro, who is a soulless, cold-hearted robot whose uh, sole job in life is to hunt down and kill uh, the leather daddies in the sky. Yes, uh, I, I actually glad to have you both on the podcast. I actually killed Dave and went to his funeral. Uh, thus, and I was brought by someone else uh, the, who decided to endanger uh, the rest of Dave's family. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> who also is all leather daddies. It's uh, very strange. It's uh, a <laughs> it's genetic. Normally, normally I like to provide some commentary on what you've said, but I have no notes. Like you're just you're just stating facts <laughs> <laughs> about my yep. family history of leather daddies. Um, so I, I don't know. I have nothing to correct. Yes, that is that is all accurate. Uh, hey, thanks for having me, and and welcome to my uh, marvelous year. I appreciate I appreciate you having me here on the show. Did you did you just unzip your your mouth to uh, to say that? Is that why you're so quiet initially? Well, I think like it's listen. If you want the leather experience, you have to go to Patreon.com/slash/MyMarvelousYear for the zipped mouth leather recording okay but for the <laughs> rest a, for the rest of the populace <laughs> it's super muffled you won't hear a word i'm saying it is asmr uh to die for and uh you know i was actually thinking so like if i started a comic book herald tiktok and like actually spent some time on it which will almost mm-hmm. certainly never happen i feel like asmr would be the way to go right like if i just read <laughs> yeah. comics in or out of a leather mask I feel like that's probably like my my way to fame, my path to fame, don't you think? I just saw a um it wasn't TikTok cuz I don't use TikTok anymore, but it was on YouTube. They have YouTube Shorts. It was the same thing and I was yeah, looking yeah. up stuff about Tar, the new Kate Blanchett movie. Um and uh <laughs> somebody there was a short that somebody put up and it was this girl, this young, very pretty girl who was doing like ASMR like sexy thirst traps but about like these real indie cinephile things so it was like uh-huh. hi there my film lovers i just got back from tar and it was a great experience she was like smiling all like saucily into the camera and i was like this is very strange and for a very specific yeah uh, demographic yeah. and i slam that like and subscribe button <laughs> <laughs> you've never hit it harder right right yeah um, for Dave, sure. before we uh <laughs> actually no i was just thinking uh can you think of a worse outfit to wear to a podcast recording than in all leather suit, like a bodysuit? <laughs> Just the background noise, the constant like squeaking and leather rubbing together. Uh, just be terrible. That's a good um, point. I think I think the cosplay I'm slowly but steadily working on for a full Doctor Doom, yeah. where it's just metal clanking everywhere, would be pretty bad too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, speaking of good picks. We got some big Patreon wrecks here in the in the My Marvelous yeah. Year selection today. Zach, I, take I, it away. Un- 
I unfortunately, this is the week I am going to pitch something new to you both, and that we shutter the entire podcast. We shut down the <laughs> the whole. I think that's endeavor, not the first time you've proposed that. <laughs> I think it's the first time. That's, I've ever that's a weekly this. occurrence, but go on. Um, <laughs> and we uh, we morph into a Marvel Snap podcast and just talk about uh, whatever's happening in Marvel Snap that week. Okay, um, Charlotte, are you loving this? Ga- are you loving this game too? I am. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even ask you. Have you played? Have you played it? <laughs> yeah, Charlotte and I did. Just just FYI, Charlotte and I did a bonus. 45-minute episode on the Patreon yeah, about yeah. Marvel Snap that's been up already. Uh, yeah, we did not check in with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> At all. No, I, 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 saw you, I saw you do that, and I, I got excited and thought, oh, I should check this game out. Then I saw it was like a, card, a card-based a card game, and I'm always mm-hmm. immediately out on that premise. Uh, but you both seem super excited about it, so I'm curious. Yeah. It's excellent, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to rehash the episode, so like, go check that out on Patreon if you're curious. I The, the thing I'll say, though, I'm very hostile to the free-to-play method like that uh, that style of game i well you're you're big like you're real big into capitalism and like like nothing should be free is kind of your yeah thing. i just don't want listen i just want to hire a class of people to be playing the same games as me and i don't want to uh sully myself by <laughs> well it's like you're that... playing with peasants is what you keep texting I'm literally me. playing with peasants yeah um and I, yeah, I, <clears throat> I can't stand that. That's why I have to, uh, I pay to get to the higher two. No, uh, the, the game doesn't let you. It's not pay to win. And uh, <laughs> Believe me, of... I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that, that episode is, uh, can be suited towards people who are also like skeptical of the um, like mobile free to play game. Because Marvel has a bunch of those and they're not particularly good. Um, so go go check out that episode if you've been curious. The uh, our Slack is like booming with Marvel Snap. People talking about everyday strategies, and we're doing a card of the day thing in our uh, Marvel Snap channel where we like Dang. go in depth on a card. Like, yeah, it's a good game. It warrants the discussion. Uh, okay, it's very solid. All right, y'all, y'all have me psyched to do this. I'm gonna download. All right, this so my Marvel this year point. is gone, and <laughs> Snap it to me, baby, is here. Is that you know what? I, like after reading these comics. Mm-hmm. I'm not done. I'm not wholly opposed <laughs> to the, yeah. okay, to the well, notion. But we have you know, we have so much good stuff coming in 2001. I was looking ahead. I know it's crazy. I was looking ahead at the 2001 list, and I was like, oh yeah, like there's a there's a real turn, and we're gonna talk. I think we should talk about this. Is you know with maximum security, like there's a really significant movement that Marvel Knights starts. You know, and we t- we talked mm-hmm. about this, yeah. and we had the interview with Jimmy Palmiotti, and we've alluded to this, but it's like. Marvel Comics is going through a sea change, financially, ownership-wise, leadership-wise, etc., but just tonally as well, where there is that push of like, you know, just like, okay, what does it mean to make these comics? What style of storytelling should we be doing? And kind of the really old-fashioned stuff starts to get pushed out more thoroughly, you know? Like, it feels like the comics actually do grow up a little bit, um... For better and for worse, and I think the the Kurt Busiek written stuff, while can be really fun, and while plenty of readers really like it, is so definitively like old fashioned throwback. throwback. Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah. but joyously, right? It's like celebrating the nostalgia that Busiek had as a fan coming out of that era, and I think that's a big part of why it connects. But when you read something like Maximum Security, it feels like it's a a nineteen seventies Kree Scroll War Roy Thomas affair. Mm-hmm. And it came yeah. out into the year 2000, you <laughs> yeah. know, and for some like, again, that's part of the appeal for some readers like who d- love the Roy Thomas Avengers. And when um, we say some, we are saying that word disparagingly. 
disparage some readers. Well, and specifically, when I say some readers as well, I'm also just talking about Roy. Like these comics are made for Roy Thomas, and um, <laughs> this is my this is my backdoor way of inviting Roy onto the show to defend himself. Defend yourself, Roy. Um, <laughs> Explain yourself to us. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So I think there's a real back and forth right now in in old fashioned versus new. And I think the comics we're going to talk about, especially the Patreon recommended ones, you can feel that tug and pull happening there too. Um, so all right, let's talk about these comics. I'm going to download Marvel Snap and probably get super distracted while we do it, uh, and then uh, we can we can we can. <laughs> you see do not happens. open the app. While you, <laughs> yeah, while that's not a good idea. <laughs> Um, it'll just sense the moment where Dave drifts away. Yeah, I uh, I do want to thank our backers for this. Um, Iron Man twenty six through thirty was added by Eric H. And I want to do a special. I want to do a special shout out to Eric <laughs> tonight. Stop it. <laughs> um, I do want to shout out Eric because he is one of our uh, oldest backers. Not he's not old. He's been a backer for the longest period of time. He's our fifth Patreon backer ever. Back in nice. December of twenty eighteen. So for almost four years, he's been backing us. And I, I want to include the, uh, I think the first one was my wife. And the second one was uh, my friend Nate, who's still actually backing us. They beat me? Active in the Slack. Oh, you might, Comic Book Herald might have backed it somewhere in there too. Yeah. But, uh, so he's, yeah. Anyway, Eric's been, Eric's been along for the ride for a long time. And he actually added these comics, like, I think we were back in the 80s. And he messaged me and he was like, it's not for a while, but. And I uh, can I add this whole run here and uh, yeah, man. Which more confident? What, confidence. Do that. Uh, what someone just Johannes, who's also a regular, um, it's been around for forever and has been backing stuff. Just added a whole series in two thousand four, a mini series, uh, Identity Disc. You know that one, Dave? I love Identity Disc. Oh, I, sick! All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, we're doing that fan. now. Um, and then uh, Incredible Hulk twelve and thirteen were added by backer Jacob C. Who hasn't been with us as long? And come on, Jacob, get with us. Like, <laughs> why haven't you been backing us since 2018? Uh, he's only been backing us for six months or something. So, what is he? Uh, a no, baby? Th- thank you, Jacob. Is he a, is he a <laughs> Jacob. baby? <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> no, seriously. Thanks so much for the support. That's amazing. That's super cool. Yeah. That that's yeah, been backing us that long. Now, for the the to add comics to the list, that's one of the tiers. Is if you back us at a mm-hmm. level, and you can only do it for like a month. You don't have to like stay there. Um, but you can if you back us for a month at this tier. You can add comics to the My Marvelous Year list. As I say every time this happens, I'm a little possessive about what goes on the My Marvelous Year list, right? I am curating this puppy so that it is achievable. That's why we've actually made it from 1961 to 2000. Listen, there's all these imitators. There's all these these wannabes out there, right? They're like, oh, we're going to read every Marvel comic. Look at us go. And then you look at their <laughs> podcast and it's like, you know, they've been doing it for seven years and they're on 1967, right? And it's like, oh, fun. What a, what a fun time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. So, I'm like, so you we be... actually move the sticks, right? We move the chains. Football reference. A- and the sticks. And the balls. And we the, move the ball downfield. We kick the can. The boxes. We, yeah. we twist our <laughs> we Rubik's. The tire. Yeah, yeah. Everything is moving. Um, All of that yes. to say, please back us on Patreon to save us from the maximum securities of this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they really i, I want to say i do think they salvaged this episode oh yeah definitely <laughs> the patrons um, salvaged this episode absolutely no questions about it uh-huh. uh, if the patrons had not come in and recommended comics for this i would have suggested we read more of the tie-ins for maximum security oh, god <laughs> and charlotte i did you read a bunch of the tie-ins before you realized we didn't have to how did sure that did because <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you poor thing yeah i i mean 
<laughs> Do I want to confess to this? I actually read every title. <laughs> Oh, amazing! <laughs> well, amazing. I I skimmed through a lot of it, but I did I I wanted to get a feeling of what it, what the the overall event was like. I, I want to say like <laughs> I don't want to criticize the the official um, uh, maximum security reading order on Coming Book Hell, which you should check out by the way. A um, lot of those issues, and that's more ha- that more has to do uh, with uh, Marvel's uh, editorial than uh, with the list, have nothing to do with maximum <laughs> security. At all. Just happening at the same time. <laughs> Were they labeled yeah. maximum security tie-ins, and then you go to read them, and there's nothing, no. Not no even. I, there, there are some issues. Maybe, maybe you put them like for context for like having a, a an overall uh, story for of th- three issues, but like only the third issue uh, has some maximum security stuff going on, mm-hmm. which is like gets complicated with um, like that structure of events in an era where you start getting that decompression and like stories spread across three issues, like. If you, if I have to get three to read three issues to have a complete story, but the only part of the story I'm interested in is the last issue. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, Marvel is in great need of a new structure for for their events. Well, and we're gonna definitely progress to talk about this more and more as we are now in the 2000s. We are not officially in the era of events yet. You know, maximum security is really a precursor to the era of events, which I always think of as starting in 2004 with Avengers disassembled. But definitely, we're gonna have to talk about event structure the way tie-ins are used yeah i mean i think what you're describing there charlotte is the type of things that has really grown to irritate fans which is like i'm reading thunderbolts and i'm enjoying it and the third issue in this three-part story kind of has a mini (laughs) tie-in that's super like you know inessential or whatever Um, but then there are some some comics that like have big stuff for the events that like you probably miss if you only read the if you only read this the series called maximum Ca- maximum carnage maximum security mm-hmm. um which is like and there's no distinction between which ones are actually important and which ones are like just a way of integrating that to to ongoing runs right. the way like that like in the the very recent uh, events judgment day uh, at marvel like you have something clearer about like which issues are part of the actual story of the events and which ones are just like playing in the sandbox um and here like you have nothing to to differentiate to differentiate those yeah yeah so let's let's back it up a little and let's talk about so maximum security is a giant marvel universe crossover came out in 2000 into 2001 it's written by kurt busiak the main event and we got art here by jerry ordway um i don't think we've covered anything jerry ordway's done in the marvel canon uh typically more associated with dc comics jerry ordway actually inked George loved Perez him on, on Crisis Order, on Infinite Earth. He's, you loved him on Law so, and Order? Yeah, well, you know, he's the dad in Dirty Dancing, and then uh, he was on Law and Order for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really good there. Yeah. No, he's, like, he's a really talented guy, and it, like he's done mm-hmm. all this stuff. Again, you, when you've inked Crisis on Infinite Earths, like, come on, you're comic book like royalty. Um, he did some really interesting Shazam stuff in the 90s, including Power Shazam. Um, that's something that he like wrote and painted. Uh, pretty varied comics and acting career which is you know like who who among us who among us can say that um but he's here doing art on maximum security the premise for maximum security for this full event is actually pretty good i think i actually like the no it's not no (laughs) no it's not already out you're already out at the premise okay just on a premise level okay so uh, just a, a little background i was reading uh peter david was basically told they were like we're doing a y2k event 
and uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. we want <laughs> and they, they, i think they asked him basically like you can do it or you can just get sucked into somebody else's event someone else's event and he didn't really want to do it but he also didn't want to like have his comics derailed by it and you said peter so david he, did you mean kirby's yet Nope, Peter David wrote this. Uh, I'm correct in the record. Every- <laughs> Wikipedia's wrong. The actual credits on the comics are wrong. This <laughs> is a definitely scoop. wrote the best issue of the tie-ins. Because, yes, I read the Captain Marvel issue, and it was <laughs> not good. It was. Yes, Kurt Busiek. Sorry. Kurt Busiek, I think, was he, on, on Wikipedia, it says. He was basically told either he writes the event or his comics are going to get sucked into yeah. someone else's event. Yeah. Um, and uh, And he was just like, wouldn't it be fun... If we had a prison colony, like Britain did to Australia. End of thought. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it wouldn't. It's not a great idea. That's just a bunch of villains. A bunch of weird villains. Especially villains that we don't know. Villains that don't have much of a connection to Earth. Like, oftentimes they're just, like, rando aliens. And, man, I don't like Busex aliens. I mean, this is amplified by the actual event being... Leaning into, like, a sci-fi thing that Busiek does that I really don't like in Avengers, which is just, like, using a lot of sci-fi proper nouns to signify, like, this. This is an alien world. So, like, people speaking each other in alien slang, lots of fake <clears throat> alien species names, lots of, whatever. Um, you're a big yeah. you're a big Duncan Idaho fan, right? Like, like in Dune, you mm-hmm, prefer yeah. a nice my middle American Paul. name. I want them named uh, Trevor <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Jessica. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If um, you see a no, single I, I asterisk, like, uh, you've told me this. Anytime you see an asterisk in the middle of a word, you shut that book. You shut okay, that book me, and you walk Okay, tell me, do you away. remember a single alien that was here to attack Earth that was not Ego? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Kree Supreme Intelligence. The, the actual... yeah, no, Supreme Intelligence was like a big player. No, I'm talking about like the prisoners that were sent to Earth, right? Well, Ronan the, the Accuser is a big no, player. No, he's part know. of the big... He's the leadership. He's like guarding the gates. I'm talking about all the prisoners that were like sent to Earth. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. As part of. No, I know. I'm just naming like why Ryan and Rule and um, Gunthar and you know like uh, obviously we got Dinor and Threcker. <laughs> Are you just skimming through? <laughs> yeah, fi- I finally found the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course yeah, not. I just, of course not. I know what I you mean. Okay, okay. Boring, so yeah. you're, but, but, but let's let's again. You you. I gave you a chance. I, I came out maybe, swinging. Yeah, I gave you a chance, and you kind of explained it, but kind of not. Um, okay, part one. I think anytime, <laughs> anytime you can take British colonial history and use that as a prompt without actually exploring anything <laughs> to do with that, you got to yeah. do it. You got to do it, right? So if you have the thought <laughs> that, hey, uh, it's pretty crazy that Australia started as a penal colony, um, don't don't investigate that further, right? Never never take that a step further. Just kind of start there and end there as well. <laughs> um, okay, so that's what that's what happens. But the idea here that I like is galactic societies getting together and being like, Earth is a problem. Like Earth is getting under our skin. I like that. I enjoy when that happens in Marvel Comics when these when you have a sense of interconnectivity in the galaxy that does not include our familiar Earth-based heroes, um, and then for them to sort of collectively decide, like, we have to do something about this backwater planet that keeps getting in our way and messing with our system's governance, which are, you know, empires across space. Why is this one planet a problem? I always kind of enjoy that premise, I have to say. What they decide and what they're kind of manipulated into is, yes, turning Earth into a penal colony. So they're like, we're just going to send all of our prisoners to Earth. 
uh, including Ego the Living Planet, is the biggest one that kind of drives a lot of the action here. And that never manifests in the way that... May, I don't I don't know if there's a version of this that could be super cool. You know, I have to imagine there is, uh, but it never manifests in anything especially cool, <laughs> I, I mean, have to say. I it's kind it's of a missing, bummer. I think it's missing two things to be an actual cool thing, which is like, I agree, I'm really interested in like the idea of the like galactic politics and them, the different uh, empires of the galaxy reacting to Earth and being like, these guys are all over the place. They're always messing around with our stuff. We don't want that anymore. But like, to me, you need a, a, a writer that's interested in getting to the, the politics of these different empires and their like diplomatic relationship and stuff like that. Like you need a Hickman or even a Bendis does that a lot. Even he, Bendis he's, does he's, it uh, surprisingly galaxy. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I, I feel like you need that if that's going to be your like, your starting point and if it's going to play that much of a role. role because here you have like, you have the Galactic Council, like, led by Landra and the Shi'ar. Um, but the, there's never, like, actual political trouble. It's just, like, or, or, like, interesting machinations or people turning against each other, stuff like that. It's literally just, like, the the Kree pulling the thread and that's it. Like, there's nothing more interesting than uh, to it than that. Um, not even an especially interesting, like, inciting incident, you know? Yeah. Like, something that would drive them. I can't even remember what... What starts it's, the, the, the whole thing? It's, it's a lot. I mean, <clears throat> I, I kind of agree with you, Dave, in like in broad strokes that like an intergalactic society talking about Earth and like they're kind of discussing the things. It, it, it's like you said, wrote this at the wrong time. So there's actually not good examples. So like when the, the aliens are all complaining about Earth, it's like, uh, yeah. And then they got into a fight and uh, Thor fought a guy in space once. And I'm, I'm steamed about that. And the uh what is it the other the not the new x-men or the new avengers i can't remember there's like a group that has like tigra and uh thor and star fox are off fighting the um it's kind of just like an extension of bcx uh avengers really yeah and like they're fighting the infinites and people are like and that just steams us they shouldn't be out there fighting and you're like okay i don't know is this really what's making everyone so mad Right. right and then the the punishment right like we said is to turn earth into a penal colony for the galaxy's like worst criminals but, but the way ronin describes it is so funny because it's like this is an official um this is an official gathering of all the empires and they have all these you know rules and regulations and they're like we must discuss what's what we're going to do about earth and then ronin's like well we're gonna dump all these aliens here and then they'll destroy earth like <laughs> this is just a, a real is... roundabout way of us having destruction on earth and will sow chaos and your you know your whole planet will collapse which is very um, funny because imagine like world war ii americans sending like the worst criminals in in the in the american system to the nazis and being like hopefully they destroy them I, i'm sure this won't bite <laughs> back yeah. against us yeah we got a lot of little stinkers here we're sending them off to germany yep. <laughs> hopefully they'll just so chaos interesting yeah. tactics uh, there ronan um little stinkers were underrated in world war ii the role <laughs> the role of the little stinkers <laughs> the destruction that they they wrought <laughs> yeah well and you know what as you're both kind of describing this i'm thinking like actually you know what like okay here's a version of this that is cool i watched uh, escape from new york for the first time i'm on a john carpenter binge because mm -hmm. john carpenter's all the rage these days and i've i've never seen any of his movies um this this is not anything like Escape from New York. It's not like, okay, we're going to send all these 
alien prisoners to Earth and that we're going to follow one of them who has a mission and is trying to escape Earth, you know, or anything like that. Like, it's nothing like that. It's just like, basically, it just becomes pretty quickly an Earth versus alien war of sorts. But it's really jumbled and it's really messy. Um, I mean, the stakes are, are high, I suppose, in the sense of like, Ego is going to subsume the planet and the Kree intelligence is revealed to be you know, pretty firmly trying to destroy Earth, but it's never really connective or, or heartfelt. Um, and again, it's one of those, I mean, and this is when people criticize events, it's doing all the things that they criticize in terms of just being like, well, here's a massive thing that is going to take up and eat up a lot of space, but is ultimately not what really even the creators necessarily want to be doing because BCX is doing that stuff in the pages of Avengers, you know? And you can tell, Zach, from you know, kind of that editorial mandated, like, well, we need to have an event and it's either going to mess with your schedule or you're going to own it. And Mm -hmm. then being like, well, I guess I'll just own it. You know, like that's not a prompt for creative uh, uh, freedom. (laughs) Like that's, that's a a mandate, you know? Yeah. Can can I, can I read you something that's going to just make you bummed out that this didn't happen instead? What's that? So I think I think at least the premise of this you would like a lot more, Dave. Uh, his original synopsis was for a story called Y Two Kang, <laughs> <laughs> in which the concept, uh, in which when the clock ticked over at midnight, New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine, it became nineteen hundred again, and all the Marvel characters would be turn of the century versions of themselves. I like uh, that so then, much more. And then Marvel was like, "No, that's going to come out in April two thousand. It doesn't make any sense," and so he had to. <laughs> dump it we did get a strong y2k reference in uh these iron man comics that i read or Mm -hmm. that we read that we'll talk about in a second um y2k sounds super fun also you know what that reminds me is has any marvel character has has any marvel character's name ever been used more effectively as puns in titles than kang Mm -hmm. i don't know that because i wouldn't have thought it was the most ripe for punnage but i act like you get your once in future kang your cross council kang's um, Y2 Kang, we have somebody in the My Bros. Your Slack going by Kang Pin, which makes me smile every time I see it. I just feel like, I feel like Kang is ripe for puns. Okay, both of you agree. Yep. Yeah, both of you agree strongly. <laughs> I, think, I, didn't have any, I didn't have anything to add. I'm sorry. I, I don't there's disagree, po- though. There's potential for Doom, but I can't think of anything right now that, like, that really uses that. <laughs> well, well, and Doom, but Doom would kind of bug, Doom would bug me, right? Like, because if there was, like, a real punny doom title trend i'd be like no that's disrespectful <laughs> that is disrespectful to my guy victor uh whereas kang like have adam have adam have fun with kang Fair enough. you know i've seen people recently um doing like a like a kang versus thanos who's a cooler villain thing which is very like mcu standum like already buying into the hype let's let's see kang in one movie let's see kang <laughs> utilized in one movie yeah. Before we start declaring him the coolest, okay? Because hmm, in about... Marvel Comics, Thanos vs. Kang, not a conversation. Not a conversation. Come on. Thanos wins 10 out of 10 times. I just hope the... Uh, my, my casting for Doctor Doom is I just want Julian McMahon back from uh, from the 2005 movie. Okay, Zach, you're fired. The, the guy from Nip Pack up your things uh, and go. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty good casting. I think um, he's technically already in the MCU. Is he? He's one know. of the Runaways' dad, I think, in that series. Oh yeah, well, yeah, the Runaways. Yeah, that's. <laughs> How did that guy get recast? Oh, like, I mean, he's he was pretty big on TV uh, in the two thousands because of Nip Tuck. But congrats, but he was a horrible Doctor Doom. <laughs> 
I loved I loved him as Doctor Doom. Hashtag oh. always be my Doctor Doom. <laughs> oh, I would rather have um, Cloud Galactus back than than that Doctor Doom. The the part of this I like of maximum security is ego. I think uh, we haven't. I feel like we haven't seen ego in a while. And ego going around like manically trying to unmask other planets who he thinks are just like sleeping or uh, basically like shut down by a civilization being built up on them. And he just needs to like wipe out the civilization and they'll wake up and join him. This kind of like desperate panic to find somebody else like him. Uh, I really liked that. That was that's fun because it's a scary threat, but it's also like. Very interesting. Um, that yeah, felt like potential for him. an ego miniseries. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. that would actually yeah. be very compelling. <clears throat> yeah, I like. I don't really like. Like when they get on ego's back and they're just like, "Oh, we're fighting monsters on his back." I don't really care about that. But like ego yeah. zipping around the galaxy, wiping out other planets was kind of fun. Yeah, it's interesting. It does the like. I'm 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 guessing this inspired Guardians too with the like ego e- 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 ego gods um like terraforming <laughs> other planets and here earth uh-huh. like taking taking control of earth and like making earth into another version of himself he's like an, an interesting idea for like uh, an earth takeover style story but yeah even even there there's not much more done uh, with it than that but yeah it's, it's a fun idea and we don't see ego often as like a big main, main villain of, uh, of an event and i think that that's ever happened aside of i guess here in uh, in maximum security yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 he's a he's he's an interesting cosmic villain to be used by uh, by other more interesting characters, which like I think is the other big problem of this in like and ha- from having read the the Tain issues that of all the alien like you have the possibility of inventing any kind of alien race or character of, or anything and make them like fun for heroes to fight and like or to respond to, and they do the most basic stuff where like when i was reading the the tiny issues every time i was like is this an alien or is this just a random villain like there was no difference and it was all like on that very basic level i feel like what was missing is something without getting into any spoiler that ten of swords did uh, in recent years which is like invent uh, a whole different civilization and like create like at least 10 different new characters just for the event and then to be used afterwards, but like for the event and for the main characters to bounce off and like respond to and like reflect. And that's what was necessary. And like where the, there could have been a very fun sandbox created and an occasion for like new players in the cosmic Marvel universe. And no one took that occasion and they just wrote the most basic boring uh, alien villains which is he's which is he's too beholden to like the silver and early bronze age stuff for that yeah. I, I mean like, that, that's the big issue i'm talking about comic, both but... busiak and like every like solo i mean the other writers on the different titles from Danes, but like yeah busiak wants to tell a kree scroll story uh, oh mm-hmm. i guess not a scroll story uh, although like yeah, there's uh, scrolls at the beginning. My, f- it's probably my favorite idea in the event. Yes, Keter K, yes. like the the scroll X Men. That's a very very fun idea. We do not talk enough about the time Professor X went to space, trained and worked with mutant scrolls called Cadre K, and involved himself in saving the galaxy. <laughs> like this comes up so rarely. And it is one of the craziest things in Professor X's history. It's crazy it hasn't played even once in the Kokoa era. Like, yes. Uh, uh, how? <laughs> yes. Every time I research it, I'm like, this is the wildest stuff. Because it's super hard to peg down as well. 
like a ton of it plays out through maximum security. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to navigate through the event to get a feel for like, wait, what was Professor X doing with scrolls? <laughs> like what was happening during this era? Also just like, I mean, this is something that I'm obsessed with, but just the fact that like there are mutants of alien races, you know, sort of confirmation of that, like, like, and scrolls having their own bigotry towards mutants of their own kind and that sort of thing. That's not yeah. something that gets canonized a heck of a lot um or utilized but yeah professor x running around with his little scroll team <laughs> is really fun uh, i like that stuff and uh it's it's like i don't know it's super under discussed it does not come up much yeah and honestly it makes me like i i would be interested in the version of this that is an x-men cosmic event because like i just remember that's the starting incident it's like scrolls complaining to to the galactic council that like professor xavier is leading a team of rebels that are keeping them from committing basically eugenistic genocide um, on, like, the their mutants, quote-unquote. Like, that's a very good premise for a, the beginning of a, of a mutant-centric event of, like, mutants on Earth rescuing the mutants on, on I mean, scroll mutants. That's a very fun idea for, for a... I mean, that's not at all what's happening here, but, like, yeah, I guess I like that idea, and I'm I'm kind of disappointing it it's hasn't been played with at all. This might be Professor X's best moment. is the thing you know like when you put it in those terms of like yeah there was a galactic sort of effort to commit like a a, some variation of genocide here against mutants of alien civilizations and professor x put together like a ragtag group of freedom fighters and stopped it like what has he done better on earth like that's (laughs) that's a really meaningful i mean yeah that's that's totally fair yeah you know um so yeah the professor x stuff is is surprisingly fun but you're right i mean it's it's super secondary uh it's not the focus at all i think i mean charlotte you read all the tie-ins so you can tell us but like it's not like x-men ties into this super thoroughly either it kind of does i think the like the scroll of the carucade that is like is used as a witness on the galactic console that's like i think she's the gene equivalent because she she has telepathy some some kind of telepathy yeah. Uh, she's like she is in the X-Men tie-in issues like she the X-Men are trying to uh, like get her back to Wells or something I, I can I can't remember the specifics exactly because I kind of skimmed through through those but, like the the mutants of Karuke have some place in in the science here and there but like they're they're definitely not a big focus or like it's not a big mutant story that's built around it it's very secondary right right okay so I mean I think big picture like this is skippable, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's not anything massively important that comes out of this, even. You know, just on a and, and I think probably the two things that it kind of embodies for me: one, the gap of Marvel Cosmic right now. Like Marvel Cosmic, when they do events like this, it feels boring and it feels old-fashioned in ways that are are soon to be undone. Um, but it's, it's really kind of like, oh yeah, like Marvel Cosmic is not very exciting at this point in time. And that's, yeah, a it feels to me like this events more than anything else reminding me of those, like, what, what were those, the evolutionary war in the eighties of like, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. from only annual issues and like the stories spread across them, but like none of the issues really matter. Like the, the stories we weirdly spread across and makes for a very weird structure and in the end, like, there's no, not really any, any points to, to the story. It's just to, to sell those annual issues. This kind of felt like that. Like, it's kind of aim, not even, not really aimless, but like, what's, what's the big idea? What's the point? Where, where are we getting there? And like, it's, 
it's nothing new. It feels like just a new version of the Kree's Cold War or any variation oh, of that yeah. that we've seen yeah, in yeah. across the years. Playing with the comics that he loved, yeah. like when he was, you know, and I mean, to the, even the degree of there's a new race of uh, aliens that are like manipulating everything, and at the end, it turns out that they are just that they're actually the Kree. They're just Kree that have been evolved yeah. uh, quickly by is it the Supreme Intelligence doing that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so like, which is such a throwback idea, like same idea we've seen over and over again. With, but like, uh, I think. I think there's a there's a way of doing that and still having it feel new. I feel like the Iron sure, Man issues yeah. and the Incredible Hulk issues we read and that we were about to talk about, like they don't like they don't introduce a big new villain or anything. Like they don't do a a big completely new and different storyline from from before. But like they play with ideas from the the story of those characters, but still do a new a story that feels new and that feels like fresh and modern. Uh, I guess so, I, I, there's ways to to tie in and be like. Well, let's let's talk about those then. Let's let's yeah, jump yeah. ahead to those. Yeah, yeah. So these are the pa- <laughs> so that's the one I made us read. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> now let's talk about what our patrons recommended. Let's talk first. Iron Man Volume Three, Number Twenty Six to Number Thirty. These comics are written by soon-to-be Marvel editor in chief Joe Quesada. He's not yet. Pencils by Sean Chin initially and. And I wish it was the whole arc, because I really like Sean Chen here, inked by Rob Hunter. Colors by Steve Olaf, who has a long, long career of coloring some of the biggest projects at Marvel. These books look really good, really glossy, early 2000s stuff. The story becomes Iron Man, Tony Stark versus his armor which gains sentience because of Y2K. <laughs> I know, it's so good. Y2K which is gloriously stuff. 2000, uh, right? Incredible, yeah. Uh, one thing I like about this, it's a thing I liked about Todd McFarlane's 90s Spider-Man, which is the clear Alan Moore deification of, I'm going to try something that feels to me like a literary technique that, that sort of evokes the importance of this work. Okay. Joe Quesada does that here with every issue opening with a nine panel grid the same caption text about Tony Stark having a good life, and then a big splash page undercutting that. Is it literally as good as Watchmen? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, no, of course not. But it's like, I do actually appreciate that ambition whenever I see it, even from creators that can't pull it off. Um, Charlotte, Zach, what did you both think of this patron recommended Iron Man comic? Charlotte, you can go first. Yeah, I think I really like the like the idea of the literalization of Iron Man versus Tony Stark and like the interaction between those two identities. I feel like maybe it's because like I, maybe I read it too fast. I wasn't focused enough. I I was often confused about what there's a lot of stuff with. I think visions he's having or like dreams yeah and stuff that happens but doesn't hasn't really happened like we see his identity being revealed to he, the the people he knows and i think the whole world and people reacting to that but then later you see those characters again and it feels like they don't know that tony is iron man so i guess that was a vision or a dream <laughs> okay yeah you just read it too fast because that was clearly okay. spelled out okay <laughs> no but but i actually think there's a point there that i don't think the pacing <laughs> so there's kind of two things going on one i think the pacing is a little messy um Two, there's so much text. Like, it is so flippant mm-hmm. text heavy yeah. that, yeah, it's, yes, it's they spell heavy. it out, but it's so dense that I was also 
wanting to skip over a lot of it. And in the second issue in particular, it's like all vision. And But for a long time, it's like, okay, like Tony's life's really falling apart. He's going to hit the bottle. That's what the story's going to do. But then it hits a point where it's like, and everyone you know is dead. <laughs> and here's the Mandarin here to kill you. And I'm like, okay, now we're in dream sequence territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't as clear artistically and narratively that that's what was happening as I think it needed to be to be effective. Um, but yes, part of it was definitely just like, I don't want to read all the words on this page. There are two. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't blame either of you and I've definitely done it in the past, but it, it was very clearly laid out where it was like, and here's the end of the dream sequence. I was, and then it's like back to yeah. him just laying in the street before he woke up and was unmasked. And it's the moment like a kid's reaching for his mask. But like, I didn't remember from, from when that was. So I was like, okay, how much of that was fake? Like, was it just the Mandarin interaction? Was it also the him waking up in the hospital? Like, Yes. I... That entire second issue that we read okay. was because the end of the first issue, it's shown that he's been unmasked. The second issue is the ramifications of that. And at the end of that, he wakes up. You know what I think is weird about that too, though, is the end of the first issue... That feels like a compelling story to be telling in this moment. Like, it feels like, oh, like, it's time. All right, mm-hmm. we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I, Tony Stark is Iron Man. <laughs> and then, yeah, I so thought like, this was the moment. Like, yeah. Because, like, I know by Civil War, he, everyone knows his identity. So we only have a few years left. When does it happen? It should be happening. <laughs> it is <laughs> remarkably, remarkably slow played. I, I had yeah. the exact same thinking. I was like, oh, okay, it's happening. And then you get okay, to the second so, issue, and but, it's like, nope, we're not even going to commit to that. <laughs> So, so my thought on this is that that opening thing, uh, like the feint towards um, his, you know, identity being revealed, kind of interesting. Okay, it, it didn't like blow me away. I really like the stuff with the armor. I think it's yeah, a exactly. great idea. That's like so good that I almost wish that somebody with <laughs> some better ideas about it, like a JMD Mateus taking this, mm. I could see him like taking this idea and running with it and making it like because I think we get uh, issues like. 12 through 15 it's like four issues of it maybe maybe only three of the armor coming alive and becoming sentient and i was like this should have been like a year uh of this built up by someone who could really like milk it yeah of the armor like waking up and him being excited and it being a good you know like have a, have a slow build and a slow turn like a villain turn for the armor instead of like it feels rushed almost um but i do appreciate what he's doing here like i like the like how trapped he feels by this um the vil- the, the armor gains sentience and then they go out together to fight whiplash again and then the armor just murders whiplash uh and is very like pragmatic about like no he's bad like we have to we have to kill him and tony starts trying to like teach his armor and his armor's like i need to go what does he say he's like i need to start you know like reading more books about like human morality so that i can prove you wrong <laughs> something like that like yeah. i need to brush up and uh, and learn more so that like I can make a stronger argument for why it's okay to kill this guy. Like he's the the armor's so convinced. That's of, how I uh, end most arguments with my wife that I'm losing. You know, like when I when I know you just I'm wait till I finish these phil- philosophy textbooks, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna come back here and really I will make be a good back point. in a couple days. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I like how brutal the armor gets. Like he kills. Is this really the end of Whiplash? Is this the beginning and end of that man? <laughs> is this the start? <laughs> Who can say? Um, yeah, as I as I alluded has been to, around. like that's not the first appearance of Whiplash. Has he, I, I Surely not. Sure. As I alluded to, she's been a villain to... since like I guess I think the sixties, maybe the seventies. You know, Whiplash how... might be the most surprising feature villain of the entire MCU phases one through three. 
I haven't like yeah. really thought about this before, but when you consider that Flippin' Whiplash was the feature villain, Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke, hi- the height of his powers, you know, that was a, that was well, a wild choice. You know what was missing in that movie is M- Mickey Rourke in a full game suit. Oh my yeah, yeah. Flying that, in space. An entire BDSM outfit, including like the zippered mouth and the, you know, yep. the, the metal ring. Uh, oh, it's really good. good. And if you uh, want to yeah. see me read like that, again, patreon.com slash marmarvelousheer, I do have a whip gimp. <laughs> it's I like incredible. to call it. A <laughs> It's lash. so funny, though, because I don't know why. Like, I don't know why this is his vibe. It The, the rest of his story is he's like, he's just a dad trying to get his kid back uh-huh. <laughs> by uh-huh. moonlighting at night in a gimp suit. <laughs> <laughs> you do it's, what you uh, have to, really... Zach. When you have kids, you don't, you don't understand. Like when, once you have kids, like you realize, like <laughs> you'll do it. There's nothing you won't wear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I I like the armor. I thought the armor, like I I like what was done with it, and I liked it enough that I had almost I was like wishing that it had more to it. Uh, I wish it got a little more into you know it being like feeding off of Tony's psyche more, like it being a reflection of t- like almost like Iron Man three. Uh, can get into like with I mean, I was gonna the, say very, the suit as an extension of his personality. It's very MCU Ultron, like Tony yes, Stark creating right. an, an an AI that turns against humanity, but is like is a reflection of his own morality and like his own way of thinking about the world and how he can fix it. Like that's Kinda. that's yeah. that's yeah. where I think the the Age of Ultron movie is the most interesting, which it's rarely. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, it is funny though. This is. Not it's one of my favorite tropes in Marvel, and I used to call this out in the '60s uh, a couple times, where scientists or uh, mentors are like AI again. <laughs> ah, damn it! I keep <laughs> they keep getting sentient, <laughs> right? Like I'm making Oops, something unrelated. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I like that trope. You know what though? I kind of make fun of it, and yes, it is tropey. But the I made this armor in a cave and I didn't plan for Y2K angle is actually pretty, like, <laughs> that kind of works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so I, I think these are solid. I uh, I like these. I'm, I'm glad we read them, especially since we don't read much Iron Man. Um, yeah. You know, like, he's, he's not a big player generally. So, like, having... Um, I do think reading comics like these does... It just emphasizes, and it's something we talk about all the time, but it's just, like, man, it is bonkers that Iron Man became the most popular superhero oh yeah in marvel, still. In marvel movies like well that is, he has an ongoing still like that is still surprising to me, even that, right like yeah i'm like throughout the 90s when he's you know issue 300 whatever i'm like who is still like iron man he's my guy i've been reading him for decades like i don't know it's it's kind of i mean he wasn't hugely popular he wasn't spider-man right but like popular enough to keep going sure um, right but 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 was it that sort of iron man um cap thor level of like, yeah, I mean, it's literally yeah, we like, gotta, we if you're a founding something. Avenger and you're neither Ant-Man or the Wasp, you can have the ongoing forever. But, but Thor and Captain America have really good, solid runs interspersed to, yeah. like, renew your enthusiasm. Iron Man has... Iron Man probably has the lowest batting average, even though I like some of that Kaminsky 90s stuff. Um, that's more mm-hmm. of a deep cut, I think. It tends to be off the beaten path. Yeah, that's an interesting question, is like, okay, who actually who actually has the lowest batting average? Yeah, I mean, I guess it has, like, Demon in the Bottle and Armor yeah, I mean, that, would be the that, main yeah, two Yeah, that, that stuff's good. Those are the big but two that... canon books that you go to for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hulk, you got all the Peter David stuff for such Just... a long time. That definitely has its fandom, so I think that's a hard one to to say is worse. I mean, Thor, once you get out of the Simonson era, 
Yeah. In the, like, I like Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably it, more than I like Thor in the <laughs> For 90s. me to say, like, oh, yeah, Simonson was the last great <laughs> Thor comic. Uh, the last one right? worth reading. But yeah. it for sure was, right? Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but so even before that, like, between Kirby and Simonson, it's not much there, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what, yeah. though? We are under, we, we did kind of overlook Thunderstrike. And uh, the Thor Corps, uh-huh. when yep. Thunderstrike teams up with Beta Ray Bill in the early sure. 90s, that stuff's actually pretty fun. <laughs> so, oh, really? Oh, you're not being sarcastic? Oh, yeah, I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. 60% joking about Thunderstrike, but the Thor Corps stuff's actually, I kind of enjoy this. Um, okay. okay, okay. But yes, I mean, Iron Man is, is never, he's not cool and he's not fun. And, and sometimes there's okay ideas, but it's just like, man, he became... The coolest and the the most exciting, and that's that's mind blowing, mind boggling. Still, we're gonna uh, be okay. we're gonna do extremists is probably the next big Iron Man story, right? Uh, there's an arc where he becomes Secretary of Defense. Spoilers, no. I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that we may or may not read. Um, oh, I damn would... it! I can't believe I didn't get to experience that in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I actually do think those comics would be really interesting to read now that I have like some political awareness as opposed to none when i read them initially you know yeah who's the secretary of defense right now dave who's the secretary of defense yeah. i think it's um isn't it uh grimace from mcdonald's like the big purple guy <laughs> damn it <laughs> you, you know yeah, yeah. It's, either that, it's either that or gritty the philadelphia mascot um all right so let's talk about incredible hulk number 12 to 13 these were requested by patreon backer i think you said it's what what how do you pronounce the name here jack yakob yakob Thank you. Jakob. No, um, it's Jake. Thank you for the submission. <laughs> now, Jakob, I am going to guess that these were suggested because of the Immortal Hulk. Oh, yeah. Easy. But tell me sure. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, He's not here I on read the podcast, too. He can't tell you anything. We could call in live, surely. Um, <laughs> I, I read these two back when Immortal Hulk was coming out, the Al Ewing written series. And I went back and I read these. And I was like, oh, cool. Here's some of the some of the, the influence some of the feeding material. Uh, these Hulk issues are written by Paul Jenkins. We got pencils by Ron Garney and Mike McCone. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Paul Jenkins' influence, early 2000s influence on Marvel Comics is incredibly underrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Inhumans, Century, stuff like this, Spider-Man. There's so much Paul Jenkins that is like pretty good, pretty solid, and very progressive is the wrong word, but forward it has forward momentum for kind of the way comics are going to be written and the way that yeah. they're going to read heading into the 2000s. Yeah, um, I feel like, I wonder how much of it is like him being overshadowed by Bendis in the next few years and like his place in Marvel because uh, Jenkins feels like he he put a lot of the first stones where 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 Bendis is going to build and like maybe that's part of it. But yeah, but Jenkins, 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 God, uh, in, those, uh, in those few last years of the 90s and first years of 2000s, like he's building a lot of stuff. Like Sentry alone plays places like yeah the groundwork for for the rest of uh, of marvel for the next 10 years yeah and he's gonna i mean he's gonna keep doing good work right like and I, I think like he does spider-man stuff that we just saw the beginning of in the last episode but his spider-man stuff continues and i remember that was the stuff i was reading at the time that i really like and uh i think it gets overshadowed by straczynski's spider-man a little yeah, bit but his like too. peter parker spider-man and his spectacular spider-man run um right. I think it's very solid, and there's like there's some really good stuff in there. I'm gonna try to like s- filter through that and um, suggest stuff because we don't have much on the list right now. Well, he also gets I don't know, might, might not have been in Wolverine MU Origin, last time. which is yeah. in 2002. I mean, that's like one of the biggest stories Marvel can tell. Which which one? Sorry, I missed. Uh, Origin, the Wolverine Origin. Mm. 
miniseries. Oh, oh, that's him. Oh. That's that's <laughs> okay, probably well. the biggest thing. Okay, that he, you know, but that's that's like an event kind of comic. You know, oh, as far I, as like yeah, I remember that coming out and everyone being mad. I don't know the context of it, but we'll talk. People don't it. like it, right? We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, no, I think I think you're both right that like his his influence is really large, but he gets overshadowed for sure by Bendis comes in, J. Michael Straczynski comes in, um, Jeff Loeb starts doing a little bit more stuff, then you get Grant Morrison on X-Men, just kind of there just becomes some some bigger profile writers that um, that kind of take the spotlight. Uh, but yeah, so let's, let's talk about these Hulk comics. Um, I, I like, don't love these. I think there's good ideas. Yeah. I think there's interesting premises. It doesn't really get dealt with until much later, you know, 20 years later when somebody's valuing it specifically is kind of like, oh, here's what you do with this. Um, but it plants the seeds. What, what did you both think of this? I yeah, feel like same. The, uh, yeah. I was saying, the, the general idea of like building that inner place where the, the different altars of Bruce Banner can interact is like a fun idea. Uh, and a good idea to like bring some structure to how that works uh, and how and, they and can Peter and, like, done, all be you know. present in in Hulk comics uh, from now on. The like right when the Devil I think they say Devil Hulk uh, at this point is introduced yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's the very classic evil alter of uh, of the way uh, comics perceive uh, DID, which like which sucks. Uh, obviously, and like here, it's nothing more than that. I don't feel. Um, yeah, it's like interesting to see where those ideas will go. I mean, knowing where they will go, interesting to see where where they began. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm always uh, I'm always here for some Joe Fixit action. Like he's he's the most fun of the Hulks, definitely. So yeah, yeah, same. It's uh, it, it feels like it's actually treading stuff that Peter David set up and is just yeah, like sure. pushing it a like a little bit farther. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just feels like. A new context for stuff that we've seen, which is, you know, his personalities are reflections of his, you know, trauma and his, you know, inability to cope with the world. Um, and now we've got the Devil Hulk, who's like a reflection of his father's abuse and like a protective measure from that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's quick and breezy and two issues. And yeah, I, I don't think like this doesn't feel essential. It doesn't feel like if you no, jumped yeah, into a mortal Hulk. It's actively that is interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just interesting to see that it was like laid out here. Um the devil hulk stuff but um it's yeah like dave said certainly not the most interesting part that's <laughs> deal with uh there's one part here and i, I don't want to like nitpick <laughs> um there's one line here that's so nasty from bruce banner that doesn't get remarked upon because he's like he meets up with a, an ex-girlfriend from college who's helping him because he feels like he's got a lou gehrig He's self-diagnosing himself with Lou Gehrig's disease. Bruce Banner <laughs> like, thinks he's dying, and and he's yes, he is self-diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> he's just been on WebMD, and he's like, "Here's my six symptoms." I looked yeah. them up on Google, <laughs> um, and I, I think she confirms it though. So, uh, and which is, which is there's an interesting idea there of like if Bruce Banner's body is dying, like he says, like the Hulks won't let him. Right, they'll that's what I thought. Over, yeah, right, and they'll just be out, and they just won't let him die. Um, which is, I, I like that idea, but it's just a throwaway thing where, like, in the past, he's underachieving as a, uh, like, a graduate student, and she's doing really well. His grant gets uh, rejected or something, and he was just like, yeah, it's not easy for me. I, I can't just flash a smile and uh, show my cleavage and get funding. And then she's just like, oh, Bruce, you're having such a hard time right now. <laughs> That's uh-huh. the nastiest thing Bruce Banner's ever said, like, the most, like, nasty sexist thing, and it goes... Yep. Uh, 
It's totally very ultimate universe. Very ultimate universe, Bruce. Where yeah, he's like yeah. A huge but it's not all the time. Yeah, they don't really like nail him with it. Uh, or and it doesn't also feel like consistently like this is you know we're just trying to show that it, it just felt like a weird throwaway. Um, it kind of felt like uh, needed to need to be mentioned. But um, yeah, I'm fine with Bruce Banner being you know a jerk and a monster. <laughs> That's fine. It just uh, it felt like kind of an aside almost. He's a more interesting uh, character when he is. I think they're still yeah kind of that attitude of maintaining that he's he's the hero you know mm-hmm. and that hulk yeah. he's managing hulk and this sort of thing you know it's kind of not balancing the the ambiguity of all that um i think the one thing that that jenkins because jenkins is on the title for 20 plus issues um and it's a run that does not get much attention at all uh but you know one thing he's kind of doing here as well is something that like size barrier is going to do with like legion in the x-men comics too where it's like you know astral plane psychic you know version of like you can pull out any Hulk you want kind of thing. You know, you can have a Hulk for any occasion. Um, I guess maybe like Doom Patrol. Uh, uh, what's the character? Um, Jane. Crazy Jane. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, kind of the same thing where it's just like you have a, a, a DID for any event, you know. So it's this kind of <laughs> yeah. very uh, poorly understood actual mental health issue, you know, kind of weaponized for, for story. Um, and it's storytelling that I think a lot of folks enjoy. You know, but then certainly it is also like, wait, we're actually talking about a <laughs> mental health issue. Like that can be uncomfortable and kind of wrong sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's kind of playing with that trope and an idea, I think, in some, I don't even know if it's that interesting, but in I guess in some ways that definitely build off of what Peter David had done, you know, where it's one Hulk at a time. And I mean, he's, we've been, you know, in Hulk comics, it's like, it's been Professor Hulk for, for years and years. Like once we get to Professor Hulk, it's, it's that version of the character for a really long time. Yeah, You know, so this is all kind of, it's a little bit what's happening with sort of that old-fashioned trend that I was describing earlier of kind of that back-to-basics, post-heroes, reborn, post-onslaught wave of stuff. Like, there's a little bit of that with Hulk 2, where it's, like, progressively getting back to, like, Bruce Banner, Raging Hulk, on the run, on the lam. You know, that's kind of the yeah. narrative arc here of what they're kind of trying to get Hulk back to. Because, you know, when you think about the Peter David 90s stuff, it's like, that's actually pretty far out there from the core and the bait the basis of the character when you have like yeah hulk works with a secret illuminati group in a science lab you know like that's this that stuff that is actually like wait that's not what jack and stan were were writing um yeah so you can yeah, see yeah. editorially they're like wait we need to get this back to you know what people think of when they think of the hulk which like we always say sometimes good sometimes not um <laughs> i feel like <laughs> your energy just drifted so much <laughs> there did you open marvel snap is that what happened <laughs> <laughs> i just felt like I, I i felt you like just getting bored with your own words just even talking about it yeah i don't know like that's the thing is like these comics aren't that exciting you know like they're no they're they're fine but they're, they're also like but they're not like i don't get super asked right about them like oh you gotta yeah, read these yeah, underrated yeah. gem kind of thing uh, <laughs> well we're reading two more of them next year jacob also added 24 and 25 um i will say year. i was more eager to read these sets of of added comics that I would not be focusing on, you know, than I am a lot of times the stuff I add because I'm always curious, like what gets other people's attention, um, what is happening in these runs that maybe I glossed over, you know, uh, that definitely does engage me a lot. So I enjoy having them to read for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even when in these, I don't. These are definitely not the uh, you know why'd you do it, Jacob uh, comics for sure. Oh, like I think not. these no. are fine. Um, like I said, but even I if they are, I'm still kind of curious. It's one of those things where, like, I open up Marvel Unlimited and it, it tells you, like, oh, you've read this recently. 
you know, and to completion. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> initially I was like, wait, why did I read Incredible Hulk number 12? And then I started. because no, you're like, doing oh, yeah. Immortal Hulk research exactly. <laughs> background. That's the one. That's so the we one. got one more episode in 2000, which is Apocalypse, the 12 slash Ages of Apocalypse. Dave, yeah. tell me a little bit about this comic. What do, what should I expect? <laughs> is this you feeling out whether or not you're going to be attending? Um, yeah, maybe. So <laughs> Apocalypse the 12 is actually a long time coming, a build up to an X-Men crossover that, I mean, really, it's it's very much what you think it is. It's Apocalypse seeking out the 12 mutants that he can basically manipulate to his ultimate power that he wants. Um so the kind of the ways that, you know, we saw him like take Hulk and make him a horseman and he's done it with um has he done it with a bunch of other X Men at this point or not? I guess like Caliban, obviously Archangel. Uh it's kinda of gonna take that and amplify it a little bit. And then Ages of Apocalypse is like mini Age of Apocalypse follow up, but really it's a twelve post game show. Um yet again, you know, I have to caveat like none of this stuff. Like like with X Men, like we're really in a waiting game for new X Men. Like just mm-hmm. that's just Which the reality. Is the episode after that, <laughs> so yes. we're gonna do the and Apocalypse the Fallout, next, and then 2001's first episode. Is, yeah, uh, it's new X Men. The Fallout from the Twelve does influence the start of Morrison's run a little bit. Like it's it or it doesn't influence him so much as like it's continuity that he that they pick up on. Um, yeah, rather. So I'm incredibly nervous about the morrison x-men <laughs> run there's no run that i want that? to like more and and more like oh it might just not be my vibe but i really want to like it have you <laughs> read I, any of it like, before i think the first issue like issue one years ago i bought the uh the omnibus years ago i've had it mm. since like year one of my marvelous year and it's just been sitting on the shelf and i've been waiting to read it with the club uh, nice so i'm i'm, I'm very always, uh i'm very already helpful. brainstorming the Simonson Slender equivalent for for Morrison for you. <laughs> uh, well, that's gonna be coming. <laughs> yeah, Lessison is more like it, is what I'll say. Lessison. That's why you leave the puns to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't get paid the big bu- big bucks. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very I'm excited but also nervous because uh, no one loves Morrison like Morrison fa- like no one loves Morrison. That doesn't make sense. Um, no <laughs> one Morrison loves Morrison. There's like no what? bigger like. There's no, there's no more like hardcore, like hardcore fandoms who, you know, really go to bat for creators. It's like Jeff Johns, number one. Yeah, Jeff and Johns has a huge uh, go to bat for him fandom. Extremely sure. weird. Uh, well, that's all mixed in like culture war stuff too, right? Like if you don't like Jeff, jo- whatever. Well, anyway, kind of, then but two. then, but then, like the Snyderverse cult is like yeah. wholly opposed to Jeff Johns because of his role with DC movies. There's the culture. Yeah. I, I could not pinpoint. Yeah, where Jeff Johns falls in the culture wars <laughs> could not tell well because like Jeff Johns has the whole like you know back to basics like we're we're doing traditional real you know old style superhero comics and whatever anyway uh and then number two is Morrison like people who like Morrison love Morrison and uh I think a lot less hostily than yeah yeah, yeah, than, yeah probably you know I think there's a lot of just like I know I just no th- no they're the best comic book writer of all time and I, I would like to. And I would love to be. I want to be on that train. Is the <laughs> the point? And I just. Oh, I'm not. I mean, I never have I am, been. Sometimes, and I yeah. I navigate it by saying nice things about the Morrison I do like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Okay. But I don't, I'm not yeah. on that train. I don't think Morrison. Well, I want to be on the train. I want to be the one best. of those cool kids on the train. It's the it is the coolest. It is the, the coolest kid train. Kids. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, the coolest kid train. Like if you're 
I like New X-Men a lot, you know, so I, I'm not disparaging that specifically, but I'm saying Morrison as a creator, like, I don't know, is there a cooler, a cooler, giant-sized, super well-known creator to be into than Grant Morrison? I don't I don't really think there is. Yeah. Adam Moore? Yeah, I mean, it's Divin thing? I think Morrison's a lot cooler than Moore, I, I think. Yeah. Um, because Moore has Watchmen, and Watchmen is so obviously great and so easy to get into, whereas if somebody's like, I love the Invisibles, like, it's it's like telling... I don't know. It's like telling your 15-year-old friends you love the Velvet Underground or something. I don't know. I mean, Moore has that kind of stuff, too. You know, he's got the, like, yeah, I'm a big uh, Promethea fan. <laughs> like, I love Promethea. That's that just means, like, you're kind of a pervert, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, maybe, like, a cool cool pervert. Well, either way, cool the rub has them both uh, beats. Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, we didn't even bring it up because, clearly, it's yeah. Liefeld and then, you know. And Rob, then, then the Rob. A, if you're a huge fan of the Rob, that means you have the most basketball shoes. I wish I had. I think, <laughs> like you have the most pairs of Jordans uh-huh. for sure. There's an incredibly uh, funny like lecture that Grant Morrison did a while ago, and I watched the first like ten minutes of it. And I got to go back to it because uh, I just forgot about it. Um, it's Grant Morrison. This is what you type into YouTube to find it. Grant Morrison on chaos, ma- chaos, magic, the occult, in and sigil creation. Yeah. Uh, and he's he they they are uh maybe a little drunk <laughs> and uh berating the audience and having the most fun they're uh, they're really really fun to listen to talk in a way that I didn't expect I didn't expect them to be so um I don't know like loud and uh boisterous and exuberant uh I thought they would be more Oh you've never heard Morrison speak before? No, they're, I've never They're I'm... incredibly entertaining. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're really funny. So, like, yeah, go check out that video. Just the first five minutes of it, if nothing else, was <laughs> really good. That's the thing um, about both Morrison and Moore, actually, that I find is, like, interviews and speaking, like, they're remarkably charming, funny individuals, um, mm-hmm. in addition to being... Oh, yeah, more, I mean, more too. Totally different vibe, right? Like, Moore's much more, like, dry and uh, straight-faced uh, about stuff, but he's... Under, underrated funny. humorist. I think. Oh yeah, we, we're talking about funny. that in Watchmen. Um, how much like there's a there's a lot of humor in those those comics. Uh, just like Rorschach sneaking up <laughs> on people. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. Him, like he sneaks up on Moloch and makes him spit his beans out. <laughs> Something like that. Like you don't think of yeah. gag comedy being a part of Watchmen, but yeah. it's it's there, yeah. right? I'm yeah, actually reading. Little... Um, I'm reading his uh his recent uh short fiction. Yeah. Illuminations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm right now I'm in the middle of what we can know about Thunderman, which is this novella in the middle of it. It's the it's the bulk of it, and it is a complete history of the comics medium, but told through these sort of interweaving, jumping in and out of chronology stories where just everything's like slight like all the names are like you can kind of figure out who they are, but it's not using the actual names of people. So like mm-hmm. Joe Gold is Jack Kirby, for example. Um there's like Dim Dong Doom or something if he wants a reference, Fing Fang Foom. It's not that one to one, but it's like you can yeah. you can tell what he's doing, but it's just straight up history of the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, I would recommend or history of comic universe, not just Marvel. Uh, I would recommend checking it out. It's it's super fascinating. It, it's yeah. alternating right now between like 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 super heartfelt fandom and deep black hearted cynicism, and uh, and I can't yeah, decide which way it's going to net out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, yeah. like there, there are moments where I'm like, oh, this is the thing where he made Harry Potter, you know, the the Antichrist in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> like, like this is that level <laughs> yeah. of yeah. like dark humor. Um, 
but not all of it's like that. So I don't know. It's fascinating. And then Morrison's got they they have a book out too, Luda, that I that I want to check out. So we might have to do like a, a real book club here. Ugh. I know. No. I know. <laughs> Disgusting. No, I love. <laughs> we'll do a real book club that's only focused on comic book writers writing prose. What <laughs> else? <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> Ali Wing wrote understand. a couple of steampunk uh, comics before he got into comics. A couple of steampunk novels before he got into comics. I think. Mm. Who did? Yeah. Al Ewing. Al Ewing has some novels out there. I yeah. learned about a handful of those recently, and uh, they're they're not available through the usual channels oh really i found um but i i think you can maybe buy like a used copy somewhere but, mike yeah. mike carey's a big novelist including like books that have been turned into uh, mike carey greg rucka um yeah. and well then you have around. the other way around the the other way around god the like uh, oh victor laval of course mm-hmm. like great novelist who who then got into comics charlotte you're speaking oh, well, my you language get that. you get that quite a bit like, yeah yeah, we, I have to. That. I have to binge every Victor Laval novel before. Uh, yep. Before two weeks, two Sundays from now, that's gonna be tough. Are you inter- you're interviewing him? <laughs> yeah, the first cool. gonna be the first cool. repeat CBH interview guest mm, that I've cool. had on. Yeah, yeah. I've I've steadfastly yeah. avoided any repeats, but we got to do it. Um, can I <laughs> distract us for just? I mean, we're we're done. But I have one <laughs> small anecdote. Have either of you ever read the Epic of Gilgamesh? Or like classics class or something. I don't think so. No, I never did, uh, and I never like, I never read the classics. I never read this or any, you know, Homer. Or we did, a, we did Odyssey. We did the Odyssey. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't take any classics courses. Oh, in Be- uh, Beowulf too, actually. No, I think that. Yep, never, never read that. So I'm like trying to, you know, give myself a little bit of self education here. Sure. Epic Gilgamesh is so funny. Oh yeah. Because it's it's like the first story ever it's like the first that we have you know of course there were stories before but it's like the first recorded story that we have and it immediately is just like <laughs> talking about gilgamesh and everybody around him is just like calling to the gods because they're just like please help us he's too strong and he's too horny uh <laughs> and, and, that's the, <laughs> and it's just like He's going around, he's having sex with too many people, he's killing too many boys, <laughs> and uh, we need someone to stop him, and then the gods create, like, his mirror image, uh, and then, like, him and his uh, mirror image basically, like, grappled like bulls for a few minutes, and then they're like, are we best friends now? And then they become best friends and, like, hold hands the rest of the book. It's so this good. is literally it's in- Conan. This is this sounds so It's fun. incredibly odd uh, to see, like... The preoccupations of people and, and but a lot of it is just like yeah, yeah anyway there, there, i have serious discussions about it but i just thought like the opening where uh it's just like people are crying out like someone stop him he's too strong and he's too horny <laughs> all right uh, so zach so zach gives epic of gilgamesh 10 out of 10 two hornies charlotte do you have mm-hmm, a recommendation exactly. this week I mean, if we're getting into funny uh, myth stuff, I'm I'm in the middle of research for my my master's thesis on uh, Loki in Marvel, and oh, uh, I'm doing some research. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah! Hell <laughs> yeah! I'm doing some research on like the the mythic history of Loki. Just I'm not gonna describe it. Just look up uh, Loki goat on Google, and I'll oh, let you yeah. discover it. Hell yeah! I'll, I'm gonna go straight to Google Images. Now, Charlotte, one. do you happen to know if that one is in uh, the Neil Gaiman written um, North mythology, Norse mythology? Because there were some I, I there were some Loki read stories Norse there. Yet, so I don't know, but there's a good chance it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. There were some Loki stories in there where I was like, I was genuinely 
like kind of shocked. I was like, yeah. "Oh, these myths are way weirder than I thought." <laughs> yep. Like way weirder and super fun. Um okay, great recommendation. All right, I will keep it on the mythological then, and I'm going to recommend The Wicked and the Divine issue number 23. Uh The oh, Wicked yeah. and the Divine issue number 23 is a magazine issue. It is entirely writer Kieran Gillen uh connecting with a bunch of different writers who then interviewed him in character as all the various gods in the series, The Wicked and the Divine. Um, it won't make a lot of sense if you haven't read the first 22 issues, but it'll make a little sense. And, <laughs> and it's a really cool comic format. I enjoy it. So I'm, I'm rereading that right now. I refuse to ever read that series. Zach's still noted hater of one, I read, of, the, I've read the one of the most important uh, Marvel Comics writers of, of our time. Uh, I know, I know. I've, I, I own, I think, the first like three trades of it, and I've only read the first one a couple times and keeping like, yeah. maybe, Charlotte, you and I will cover it for extra issues, and that will force me to... Oh, we have to, yeah. I mean, make I was going to force you to, if, if we, if we yeah. didn't, yeah. Uh, speaking sure. of extra issues, um, if you're listening to this, I think this episode's coming out sometime in November, um, Charlotte and I have a new... Side hustle, uh, Dave. Plug your ears. This has nothing to do with you. Yep. Um, I'm already snapping. It's on the my. <laughs> it's on the my Marvel's year Patreon. Uh, it's just like my Ultimate Year. It's the replacement for my Ultimate Year. We get six months early access if you back us at five dollars a month on Patreon. So we already have two episodes up. We have our first episode, which is about Watchmen, and our second episode about Planetary, the Warren Ellis comic. Um, we're picking a theme. I mean, at least mention John Cassidy. I know. Well, I mean, yes, it's <laughs> honestly, it's it's more John Cassidy's comic than it is Ellis's, like in our estimation. Um, we're picking a theme, which is superhero subversions, and we're covering that over six episodes. And then we're going to pick a new theme and then cover that over a series of episodes. Um, and uh, yeah, come join in. It's been great. The first two episodes were, uh, we're both really proud of. And uh, I think we've got something really fun on our hands here. So check it out. It's been called the Epic of Gilgamesh of Side Hustles. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of side hustle comic book podcast reading club in that yes. everyone else in the world is trying to stop us because we're too good at this and we're, <laughs> we're too, too horny and we're too horny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right perfect good note to go out on all right this is good we're my marvelous year uh all the usual credits <laughs> apply disaster piece thank disaster you for your piece. music oh uh, patreon.com I just watched Bodies, 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 and uh, and then he did the music for that too. Zach, it's pretty cool. Zach, yeah. Some some searches can stay private. Okay, we don't we don't need the full. <laughs> okay, all right, here. old man. <laughs> See you next year. See you next, See you next year. year.